Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. I'm so grateful you could be with me for this mini-sode. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. In the last couple of episodes, I know I've gone on my soapbox a little bit when it comes to some things about divorce and abuse, but in this mini-sode, I want to cover something that impacts all of us, and that's the issue of forgiveness. I want to talk a little bit in this mini-sode about what forgiveness is and what it's not and how we can embrace the process. Something exciting is in the works, and we are adding a new segment to the Christian Single Moms podcast in which we'd like to feature you. On our website, you can record a question that you'd like to have answered or share something that God has been teaching you in this season. Submissions can be anonymous and may be played right here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. For more details, check out the link down in the show notes. Something I've learned in my season as a single mom is that loneliness actually does not have that much to do with being alone. Hurt from our relationships in the past causes us stress around relationships in the present. And the ways that we have learned to deal with that stress can help us to feel safe, but actually keep us away from the meaningful relationships that we desire. To start to unravel this, to identify your stress style and discover the pathway to healing, you can take our quiz called What's Your Stress Style? And you'll find a link for that down in the show notes. Where I want to actually start this conversation is in our internal experience and what is drawing us to this understanding of forgiveness. We may know that we have been wronged intellectually. We may feel it emotionally. And then we may have this conviction that we do need to forgive this person. But putting all those pieces together can be quite difficult. And I think it's first important that we understand that all of our emotions are meant to draw us into relationship with the Lord, that every emotion is an indication of need, that if I experience sadness, for example, it's because I have a need for comfort and compassion. If I experience loneliness, it's because I have a need for connection and for intimacy. If I experience then anger, it's because I have a need for justice, that something has been done to me that is wrong. And the recognition of this anger is important Because number one, it's the first thing that we don't want to lay down. This anger is something that either we carry it and we become very bitter. And it's the one thing that makes us feel like we have power in an instance where we've been wronged. Or it's something that we just want to avoid, that we don't even give it weight. We don't pay attention to it. We stuff it down or we distract ourselves and just pretend it's not there. But that's not giving honor to that anger either. 
Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. So the first thing we have to recognize here is that we can be angry, that the emotion of anger is not a sin. So if we are afraid to step into that, if we feel guilty about that, and that's part of the reason we're avoiding it, we are actually called into the recognition of our anger, into the recognition of the injustice that's been done against us. But then the other side of this obviously is do not sin. And this is a warning to us that in our humanness, our anger over the long term is going to draw us towards sin. It will draw us towards unrighteousness. And so for us, it is to figure out how to honor this experience of having been wronged and the anger that that draws up, but then not be consumed by sin. That verse in Ephesians goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So the important thing to note here is that our anger does have a time limit, that there is a point where anger let fester, let go too long, then becomes a place where Satan can do his work. And if you've ever been in a situation where you've held a grudge or you've been resentful, you know what that feels like. So if you want to think of it this way, it's like you have been given this ticking time bomb. And if you are still holding on to it in your heart, it's going to do extreme damage to you and eventually hurt the people around you as well. But there's something I discovered in the Word that was very helpful for me in getting my mind around what forgiveness really is, because there's definitely a lot of misconception out there about what forgiveness is and how to do it. And one of the things that really helped came out of Romans 12. And I'll read it starting in verse 17. It says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What really struck me about this section is that in this guidance to not retaliate, not take revenge, that there's also an invitation for us to leave things to the wrath of God, that in our anger, we are given to injustice, but in God's anger, he is given to perfect justice. And when we are forgiving of someone, we are not saying that the wrong that has been done to us was not wrong. It's still wrong. And if God sees fit to avenge it on our behalf, it says he will repay So when I am forgiving somebody, I am saying, I do not want to hold on to this ticking time bomb anymore. I do not want this destructive force in my life. I'm actually going to give this to God. And in that place where I was wounded, God says he will give me peace. But then also with this thing that has been done to me, God is not forgetting about it. God is going to ensure that justice comes. He is a just and good God. But in forgiveness, we are saying, this is not going to be taken care of in my way, on my time. God, I trust you with it, and I want to go and walk in peace now. 
And that's where the rest of this section really starts to just come together, you know, where it's saying here, if it's possible, so far as it depends on you to live peaceably with all, I can live peaceably with all so much more easily if I am now experiencing peace myself. If I know that God cares for me and I know he's taking care of this thing, I don't need to worry about what this person has done to me. I'm just going to go continue off in the direction where he is calling me to go. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. Now, in living peaceably with others, that means I am taking responsibility for my part of this, for having peace in my heart and in my life that I have that to walk in and to share. But if in extending my peace, someone else is going to continue to retaliate, someone else is going to not repent, then I am not at any greater responsibility for making anything happen. In those cases, a reconciliation and a restoration are not going to happen. So where I have offered forgiveness and now I am walking in peace, that is the only thing that I am responsible for. And this is where it becomes so much easier as we are walking in peace to start to see when another person is really bent on destruction and to say, oof, I'm not even going to pick up the time bombs now. So where this person is trying to hurt me, I'm like, I'm just totally going to overlook this offense. I'm not even going to deal with it because I can see that this person is just taking their anger out on me and I don't have to pick it up. I do not have to give space in my heart to this thing. As far as this process of forgiveness goes, This is one of those instances where you may do something intellectually and have to train your heart to it. You can say, I forgive this person and need to remind your heart over and over that I have already let this go. I've already given this to God. I'm already putting this down. And through that process, you'll be able to process through the pain that is residual. The forgiveness is not going to cut off the pain that you've already been given by this person, basically. But it is actually the place where the healing can start. A lot of times we aren't exactly certain in the healing process, like when does this forgiveness happen? And especially because when you forgive somebody, you're probably not going to feel like it. But if we wait for the feelings, we might not ever get there. And Conversely, if we are shortchanging the process and we're not really giving the forgiveness the weight and the attention that it deserves, we're not truly going to be engaged in our hearts and then we're going to feel the weight of it later. So what this can look like, for example, is spending time in prayer with the Lord. I think that forgiveness is so great when this is, a, this is something God is walking us through with Him. And when we can say, Lord, this person hurt me, and you can list off 
these are the things this person did that hurt me. And then talk to him about what it has cost you. When we think about the anger, it's like I just, some of what helps here is knowing that I'm heard and saying, God, this person did this. It was not right. This is what it has cost me. And grieving that and really giving a moment to grieving that. And when we shortchange forgiveness, what's happening a lot of the times is we are not counting the cost. We have to count the cost. We have to grieve it. We've got to sit with the Lord. We got to know He's holding us. And we can experience all the hot tears and the yelling and everything else in that moment, protected and safe with our Lord. And then we can say, but Lord, I desire your peace. I desire to walk with you in peace. So I am choosing to forgive this person of the things that they have done. And I will ask that in this forgiveness, you would bless me. And you can even say, if you feel brave enough to it, you can say, I pray that they would turn to you and be blessed. That in knowing you, that they would turn to you and be blessed. And in that moment saying, I am entrusting this to you, my God and my protector. And in that though, knowing you have walked through these steps with the Lord and then continuing about your life. And very often you might have some opportunities to forgive this person again, (laughs) or you may find yourself counting the cost again. You may find yourself going back to that bitter place. If I can't believe they did this or, you know, those kinds of things, or, you know, your first inclination might be if they send you a nasty text that you, you know, send it to your best friend or whatever. It is in those moments where we would be triggered to sin in our anger that we go, ah, oh, nope, no, uh, no, I already put this in God's hands. I'm not going to follow up on this. I already said to God, I want the peace. And so I'm going to choose the peace response here and we can train our hearts. And in that moment too, it's an opportunity to grieve again. Once you've grieved with the Lord, you know what it feels like to be held by Him. So that anger can turn into a place where we grieve again and say, Lord, I am grieving this again. This hurts me right now again, but I trust you. Be with me in my anger. Be with me in my grief. Thank you for your peace. Your peace passes all understanding. And just recognize that this is a continuous process. And there does come a point when you continue in this way that it stops having a hold on you. You start to actually have your first reaction become peace. Your first reaction become, wow, I'm so glad I'm not bound by that anymore. I'm so glad I'm not underneath this person's vengeance anymore. And you walk differently after that point. And this is where then the rest of this scripture really starts to make a lot of sense. You know, when it's talking about never avenge yourselves, leave it to the wrath of God, then it says to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So over time of walking in this peace and forgiveness, it changes us. And we have the ability to see this person differently and really understand that, you know what, you keep trying to give these time bombs away because you're carrying them. And I'm not going to pick it up anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to them. But that's why you're doing this. You are trying to offload your time bombs onto me or onto somebody else. And I wish that you knew the peace that I have. You could know the peace that I have, but you're choosing your own way. And that is where we could actually genuinely wish that people would know the Lord the way that we do. Once we've experienced His compassion, we can absolutely stand from a position of knowing that their lives would be different and better if they could have the same thing. 
but knowing that it's their choice, knowing it's not something I'm supposed to step into, knowing I'm not supposed to have a relationship, I'm not supposed to continue to trust you, I'm not supposed to reconcile, that is all upon you to deal with with God. But then if I see you thirsty, I can give you a drink. That doesn't cost me anything. I'm not tied up with you anymore. That the compassion I have for you is out of this place of pity, that your life is harder than it needs to be because of the way that you have chosen to deal with the hurts that you have. And this is then how we're able to, in verse 21, where it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Then we're able to actually be light to the people who have hurt us. And where the scripture says here, though, if they continue to take advantage of our kindnesses, that this is like burning coals heaped upon their head, that this is another place where God is watching and he's going to ensure that justice is done. Whether that person is drawn to repentance or they continue in a wayward way, that's between them and God. But as it comes to forgiveness, it's saying, I'm not holding on to this anymore and I'm choosing peace instead. The last piece here about trust, reconciliation, restoration, all these things. When a person has not repented, you cannot trust them. So whether they've given you some kind of apology doesn't really matter. In this instance, you can see with forgiveness, you don't need the closure of somebody else's apology. The closure is in God's peace for you in choosing to walk away from the vengeance and the anger and the bitterness and to give yourself a place for his peace to rest within you. But when you've been harmed, the trust has been broken and trust is something that we do not give with our forgiveness. Our forgiveness is absolutely a free gift that we give, just as the forgiveness that God secured for us through Jesus, gave to us through Jesus, is available to us for free. But trust is something that this other person has to earn from us, and it has to be over long, consistent periods of time where what I say and what I do match. And when a person cannot earn that trust or is not interested in earning that trust, then the relationship doesn't need to go forward. The relationship is over at that point. But you can still do everything that you can to live at peace, even with someone who is not committed in the same way, by simply going about your life and walking in peace and being light everywhere that you go. I truly hope that something that you heard in this episode today has just opened the door for you to experience greater peace in your life and an even greater measure of freedom. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd also suggest episodes 27 and 28, Forgive for Real and Forgiveness is Given, Trust is Earned, both with Tim Sanford. We'd love to invite you to get involved with the Plus One Parents community. You can join us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Also, at plusoneparents.org, we are constantly adding new resources related to all of the topics that we cover here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. That's everything from parenting to dating to spiritual and emotional well-being. If you'd like to stay up to date on the new resources as we release them, you can join our mailing list there as well at plusoneparents.org. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.